healthcare. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review just said, shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the next man. Welcome back to the Basement Fellow Music Lovers. You are now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin. As usual, we are so happy to have you down here yet again. Uh, final days down here in ye old basement. Our, uh, our little exodus plan is moving along, moving along pretty swimmingly. So we're going to try to round out this year, and then we're going to take a little break, and uh, and then we're going to come back strong um, from the great state of Wisconsin, and actually all over the world. Technology enables us, kids. We can do whatever and wherever we want. Uh, but at any rate, uh, i got a great little podcast for you today, so keep this short. Laura Gibson is one of our favorite artists. She consistently makes some of our favorite albums, and Goner's her new album is no different came out earlier this year this is one of the ones that sort of got lost in the shuffle because of the uh aforementioned basement destruction which is actually kind of fitting if you're talking about laura's music but at any rate goners is a is a a deep exploration of of grief and uh and downerism and whatnot and how we we find light on the other side or how we just push through and i think that's that's a really important message in 2018 it was um you know we wondered how art was going to turn out in the era of Trump, and I think this is the best example of, of not not this crazy protest music, although it is radically hopeful, um, but but it is is just examples of how to carry on in the face of, of abject horror <laughs> and despondency and um, and thrive, and because we know we will. And if there is any better message, especially for this holiday season, I don't know what is. So we're going to be talking about her. Um, Mr. Michael Zorn is down here with me talking about that. And then I'm going to spin a track from Mary Jo Matea. She's an artist from right here in D.C. Uh, I think she's in about a billion bands, but we'll we'll get into that after this. So uh, if you guys are ready and you got your beverages, your snacks, maybe you've got your cat sitting next to you. It's cold outside, man. If you got your animals, cuddle up. Cuddle up, man. Uh, we're gonna head on down to the basement and uh, and kick things off talking about Laura Gibson's remarkable new album, Goners. Touring and performing yeah. art. She's. I just looked at it. She's put basically put out a record every year for, or every two years for the last ten years. She's been yeah. very consistent, yep. very reliable, and. And yet, somehow, people don't throng to her concerts. Well, and that's, so, and that's something we're actually going to talk about because it, she is, um, for the NPR set, a literal superstar. She, I mean, she she played there Sweet Sixteen, which was, I guess, seventeenth year, but then, <laughs> but um, but but you know, uh, Laura was not discovered, but like uh, Stephen Thompson and Bob Boylan were turned on to her at South by Southwest, and we said you have to go see this person. They did. Mm-hmm. And um, it's the old joke, and and they tell this on all songs considered all the time. Or, you know, you should just have her play your desk. So this tiny desk concert series that everybody listening to this is most assuredly in love with mm-hmm. in 2018 all started with our friend Laura Gibson, and yep. and this is how that's the world's small because now like we're friends with Laura Gibson, 
Um, because and she sat here in this basement. She did in, in, in a very weird version of it. The couch was over there <laughs> and this desk was not here and the mics were a lot shittier. And it was a very, um, and it was not long after it was Empire Builder was done. Mm-hmm. It had just come out. Uh, but not long after what the driving force between that was there was a gas explosion in 2015. If, if listeners you remember yes. that blew up a building in New York, that was her building. Two people died in that. She was not one of them. I don't, and I can't remember if she was gone or what, but, uh, all of her stuff was destroyed. So we had a, uh, a lovely conversation about that and what all of that means, you know, um, and, it was, uh, you know, Empire Builder was, was more, it wasn't about that, but it ended up being about that, if you follow. Yeah. Like, she couldn't have known. It was, no. it, this was about her going to get a, a an MFA. <laughs> um, and, uh, she wanted to get a Master's of Fine Arts, uh, in New York City. In she lived in writing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yeah. lived in Oregon, had people, obviously, mm-hmm. she had to leave behind relationships. She might have had to leave behind. Um, and then, you know, this all happens. And the result was, um, Empire Builder. So, so this was this was her big hit, and this was um, this was way more accessible, way more pop leaning, and uh, I, I think honestly, way more exploratory. Uh, her her music is has tended to be um, not basic, but very concise and very focused in in sort of the folk idiom. Yeah, and and so when I've listened to her earlier records, and, and mind you, I think she's put out five full length albums or something like that now. So yeah, she's got a pretty you know, voluminous discography. I mean, I think of her in really in, in the sort of the introspective, uh, very inward looking kind of folk idiom. And, and I compare her to another Oregon singer songwriter who's also named Laura, which is somewhat puzzling. Laura Veers. And, yeah. and, and I, and I knew her when she was in college. So, I mean, I kind of remember like this sort of like, you know, very focused on inner emotions, small detail. Um, close observation, very, you know, concise, tight, focused little songs. And then, uh, Goners, which we're going to talk about now, which we just saw her tour for, I feel is a very different kind of record. So it's a, it a very different direction for her. And I think one that in some regards I find more immediately sort of viscerally engaging than the other record. Yeah. That, that's a good way to put it. Let's, uh, actually let's play the first single from that and come back to this. This is a, this is Domestication. There's a video for it out now. It came out a couple weeks ago, I think. But uh, here's the first single, Domestication, off of Laura Gibson's Goners. Once again, been alone too long. I arrived this so strong. Built a body from a bone you throw on. I was cold. I let my hair grow while I shook the dust. From my boots, I hit my teeth. Beneath the honey jar Wow. 
So you can hear that sort of expansion in the sound. The, the strings come in. It's this swell. And she's always had orchestration in her stuff. Mm-hmm. But this is this feels like something different. There was a band um, called Other Lives from a while back. I think they were out around Portland area. Uh, that uh, very much is atmospheric stuff. You know, this is we're talking, you know, late two thousands mm, after I uh, left Portland. Yeah, late two thousands, early two thousand tens, and stuff. Uh, I, I think this is a a honestly a remarkable step forward for Laura, not just in her sonics, but in her songwriting. You know, for this one, um, she said, you know, she completed her MFA, and there's a quote from here. Um, it's a really great quote. She says, I. I'd known for a long time that I wanted to make a record about grief. Hmm. In some ways, every song I've ever written has something to do with grief. This time around, I felt compelled to stare into the abyss. And, you know, this is, she lost her father at an early age. So there's, there's, there's this, um, tragedy that you can overcome when events like that happen. But, you know, you carry things with you. Uh, Laura is, you can hear it in her music, but in person, she's generally, um, jovial person is <laughs> putting it mildly and and this is this is so fascinating when i heard this record and when i hear this and see her perform these to see this version of laura gibson in the darkest timeline hmm. you know we've all been going through this uh where we're taping today she's just getting it's wild now it's and you know with michael cohen <laughs> and all this conspiracies and all the horrible things that were gassing children and stuff you know and and we've asked all year how this is going to affect people and you know how the, I think the best albums, and I think this is one of the best albums of 2018 um, show that it affects these artists is that they really take, take a good look at, at this darkness and sort of what it means personally. Yeah. So it's funny. I wouldn't have connected this record and its darkness with the political timeline, but, but there's a really strong thread, especially in this song where she takes a very hard look at how individuals, especially women, I think, mm-hmm. are forced to subsume their own nature to fit in. And I think domestication has this amazing lyric, I was born a wolf in woman's clothes. And yeah. that's a, just such a good lyric. And and she talks a lot about how in this song, it, the lyric is, is, you know, turn you into somebody easy, you know, to make yourself mm-hmm. conform, to make yourself fit in. And the title "Domestication" and the the cover art for this record has a dog staring out the window. Yeah. So it's sort of like a yearning to go back to the wild, to go back to your freedom that you once had. And so the domestication line about about turning the wildness of a of a woman into something somebody easy, into somebody who fits in and conforms and is uh and is molded by another figure. I mean, that's a really powerful image and. It's She's powerful, also very, but think about it in terms of po- politics. So that, yeah. that's the Kavanaugh hearing, and it's also the Me Too. Look. It's also the Me Too. Me too it's the Me Too most directly, but it's it's the Kavanaugh hearings. What we saw, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, so it, it is like that's why I think it's a direct reflection of our politics. And and I use the term politics. Mm-hmm. This is this is just the world we're living in, man. Yeah, and and the personal <laughs> is political, so it's right. right it's not a clear right. division between right. the external the, politics and internal domestic politics. Yeah, I can't unsee or unexperience any of this. And I don't, I mean, I don't know that I'd want to. Um, yeah, the album is, is, there's is a lot of stuff in there about that. And, and there's, uh, it, 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 it takes you out of place and puts you in this like larger universe by getting, but by very, getting very deep into the psyche of not just her, but her mm-hmm. characters. You know, I, I don't know because I haven't had the chance to ask her about this. 
like are these stories she's writing mm-hmm. are these specific to her um but there's there's a great line we're going to hear this track later but um and this line floored me when we started live and i just hadn't picked out of the song yet um where he says how your brother blood a creek from his wrist to the drain. Yeah. Hours before the curtain call, I send off every flare. Yeah, I like, heard that. And it sort of, I shuddered when I heard her sing that. Right. Which, for people listening, that's explicitly somebody killing themselves, and you're In worried. A bathtub. That, and you're worried your friend is going to do the same. Yeah. And yeah, and that's, that's I, I deep. Hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't grasped that line on the record, but mm-hmm. when we saw her singing it in concert. Um, I think many of us have friends who we've lost suicide yeah. and. And that is a really, it's a really hard lyric. And that's one of the things I was interested. So as a lyricist, obviously she's gotten a lot of craft in. She's got this master of fine arts and creative writing. And she's using a lot of very vivid, but very terse language. So that lyric about, you know, the, the image of the suicide, some of these other images. They're very hard. They're very, you know, as she said, looking into the abyss kind of imagery. And they're concise. Exactly. It's really, tightly written mm-hmm. and there's a, a I was sort of thinking about you know like some of the folk oriented songwriters whom I had sort of gr- grown up with who were taking folk music in a different direction in the in the 80s and 90s like you know Suzanne Vega Sean Colvin they wrote a lot of topical material but Colvin and Vega for example and I there's a comparison I wanted to make later about this they tended to write long you know these long yeah. involved stories have you ever listened to Suzanne Vega's um the, the the queen of the soldier it's like oh my god it's just going and going uh this gibson record is really tightly written mm-hmm. and she tends to go for a single very evocative image that sticks with you rather than telling the story in explicit detail well and there's also there's also points yeah it, it, it's, it's it's extremely concise mm-hmm. it's extremely to the point but doesn't lose any of the power i think as a as a writer like you write i write you know um and he there's a tendency to like uh put flourishes on it <laughs> because you're not confident in what you're writing is going to be enough like the facts aren't going to be enough and um and i think our best writers like dylan i think like springsteen and stuff raymond they, carver people who cut down the williams bone. yeah they they just cut to the bone and you still end up with this like 4 or 5 minute piece of song that there's just no fat on it <laughs> you know there's this great uh, slow joke grin on this album yes you know which is an album just about like her just telling somebody that she wants them and how and she said like that's how how weird is that that in 2018 that most women feel like they can't do that yeah she talked and, about that in the show a little yeah bit. and then you you hear that and you realize and you think and it's like yeah that's the whole thing and she builds this whole thing about the experience of being around somebody and finally just saying you know what i have to be like you said the wolf <laughs> and I have to take care of that. The the name of the album, though, um, <laughs> you know, back back to the uh, the darkness of this is, uh, and I think where a lot of this is coming from because uh, it's goners. Now she she put it as the word is used for two types of people: those who lose themselves and the ones they love, and those whose deaths are imminent. Yeah, I uh, think it's one and the same. Personally, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I think because, <laughs> and you know this, you know you you are uh, you have a family. Um, I, I think when you invest emotionally, uh, in a person, a group of people, whatever, like you're, you're giving up so much. You're not giving up anything really, but you're giving up so much. Your, your world is changing. One oh. world is ending. 
I hadn't grasped that. That's an interesting er- angle to take that discussion. I, of course, gravitated to that we're all doomed. We're yeah, goners. Yeah, well, yeah, but that's, and, I mean, it's again, I think it's one and the same. Two sides of the love same. Love and death, coin. like, yeah. you know, you, you have to accept you're going to die. Sometimes you have to accept that you just love this person and you're you're with them, yeah. regardless of any, like, thing, external situation, any temptation, anything. But the song itself, um, honestly, I, it, I, I think it's one of the funniest songs she's ever written, mm. just because of the first line. So let's let's hear a little bit of Goner's uh, uh, this title track. Here comes the end, and if we're already gone, it's like, what? What the fuck Why are we doing any longer? That I mean, look, to be this to me is is how the best songs happen. That sentiment is like a is just a pillar of truth in our existence. You have nothing left to lose. It's repeated in like football locker rooms. It's like, <laughs> you know, you're studying for the test, or like go get them in Rocky. You know, I just saw Creed two. Like it's 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 what we it's what we like to be entertained by. This overcoming the thing, it's just like, well, you got nothing less to lose, so just go for it. In this case, I think it's a, it. She's talking about uh, love, and she's talking about yeah. look, you know, we there's nothing left to lose, and it can be either um, the personal situation or just like literally looking around at the world crumbling around her and being like, yep. there might not be a tomorrow, so let's just like, yeah, yeah. And talk she about talks about being fearful for for elders and for small children and. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. That's this is kind of an amazing little song, and it's not, it's not a very complicated song no. maybe structurally for um, a Laura Gibson song, but um, I really like the uh, the sort of percussion, the clattering elements to the song. Yeah, there's a, a sample that she used in concert that was reflective of an instrument that I guess you can't carry on tour because it keeps coming out of tune. But right. it's sort of like little metallic gamelan sounding thing in the background and it just i mean this is as poppy as she's ever going to get as like a songwriter but the tone is sort of this uh yeah we're looking into the face of oblivion and so we might as well just go well, get along with poppy, our lives it's poppy but it's not it's not like pastiche you no know? I, I we have a lot of we have a lot of chamber pop in the world that i shy away from yeah uh and a lot uh, of it comes out of dent out of portland a actually. lot of it comes out of portland i mean <laughs> look let's let's be clear like that's the source of evil <laughs> maybe that's what she's talking about it's all but but no it's you know uh you know we have a lot of this stuff that that honestly it when the pressure isn't applied in in the exactly right way it all comes off as hackneyed. And what she's done here is taken this thing that this has just existed in like indie rock and folk for decades now and turned it into, uh, I mean, this is less like uh, Jessica Pratt 
This is less like um oh who's the the heart player? Uh, jo- uh Joanna Newsom? Yeah. Okay. That's a, I, like yeah, this, okay, this is sure. this is this is and the reason like th- those things at least like have a place in my heart is because they're so they're just well done. They're not um they're not pastiche. They're mm. not any type of imitation. They're like this is just simply how they have to express themselves. Can, can we just talk for a second about sort of the instrumentation about how this d- differs mm-hmm. from some of her previous records? So there's sort of a clattering tone to some of the music, yep. which I really find attractive. Um, there's also that amazing violin that you hear in um, Domestication yep. and some of the other tracks from Lauren Jacobson. Although she's done on the record. She's not on the record? No. Okay. Um, it's, uh, well, that's what you heard. I forget the guy's name. Uh, he's, right. I think he's worked with um, – with uh, Nico Case. Oh, okay. Well, obviously she did it in concert, so I was assuming she'd done it on the record. My mistake. Right. No, she she has been. Lauren has been on tour with her uh, every time I've seen her. Uh huh. Um, no, and I really like the way that they've got um, these sort of uh, clattering rhythmic elements to support these songs, and and uh, a couple of these songs have a drive and a sort of um, mm-hmm. verve to them that. I didn't catch on the earlier, more subtle kind of quiet records. And that's not a diss on the earlier records. It's just that my attention span had to be a little more focused for those than it has to be for this one. Yeah. And, uh, and so in the show that we saw at DC nine, she did the entirety of this record. So I got to see how it was done, uh, with a small group with a, <laughs> a set of, um, uh, Illicit sna- drums, uh, illicit drums. Yeah, a set of snafus with their um, with their kits tiny keyboard co- with their kits coming in from a yeah. flight from Munich that <laughs> they lost some of their equipment on. Um, and so I was really blown away by the performance and the interplay between the musicians because, I mean, you think you think you know indie rock folk singer kind of person, you think kind of insular, but you do see such. Um, such a simpatico kind of interplay between Gibson and her uh, colleagues and bandmates. Yeah. And that really made it, I think, more of a celebratory environment than you might expect given the, the tone and the content of this record. Uh, so, I mean, in well, I mean, G- look, Goners and, and look, Slow man, there, Joe there, 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 there is joy in doom. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I mean to tell you, there is there, there's something so remarkably freeing in accepting like a situation – a bad situation, mm. and then going from there. And um, I mean, I it's like like multiple, like more than multiple personal examples of that. Mm. But but you know, and, and I, that is actually one of the points of this record. I, I've seen it described as a as an act of radical hope. Mm. Uh, that's like a that. you know uh, you know that's that is the point. It is you know commiseration is a way that we support each other. You know, oh, I feel your pain. I feel pain. It is entirely something else to be able to say the words, create something that will not only support but like help lift you out of them. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that's what Goners is. And um, like I like I do know where this came from. She's been building this her whole career, mm-hmm. but it, it's just like so stunning. It's it it was one of those records. Is like man. This is coming in the pipe, and I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And then I hear it, and this happens almost with every record of hers. And it, like, just leapfrogs past my expectations of what was going to happen. Mm. Um, yeah, well, this is absolutely on my on my list of top ten for the year. Um, and seeing it in concert put it a little uh, better context into how the music is put together. 
which you which you yeah. can't always get from listening to it on your phone or uh, on a record or whatever. But you can really see how the stru- the songs are structured, and you can you can hear the stories a little bit better when you're watching her deliver them. You yeah. know how that is. You know you don't yeah. you don't always catch the subtlety of a phrase when it's on uh, when it's in your headphones, and you you do when you watch her singing it in person. So that you know that made slow joke grin a lot more uh, visceral. The lyric you were talking about earlier about the suicides like that sort of made me catch my breath for a second. So. I mean, it really grabbed me in a way that, and maybe it's just my uh, misfortune not having seen her in, sh- in a concert before, not having paid the attention that she deserves to the previous uh, record, but it uh, really jumped into the sort of the forefront of the year's albums from my yeah. perspective. Yeah, like we're not going to be doing a year-end list uh, on the site at all. Uh, we'll probably just uh, hang out. I'll make some food. We'll all like <laughs> drink some scotch. No, uh, no one listening to the podcast can actually eat the food unless they're here. Right? That's right. Uh, uh, unless we, they can do Uber Eats. Uber Eats. We're, we're with Uber Eats now. Um, <laughs> no, but but um, but yeah, it, it is a thing that I'll return to. And this is albums that have meant the most to me in 2018 are are simply that. And that's why I don't want to do a list because mm. well, I think I saw somebody put it. Um, this a guy named Evan in Milwaukee. He's a writer for Pitchfork. And um and and he put it like look yeah there have been infinite good albums mm-hmm. and maybe it's because of the times maybe it's just coincidence of the year though there have been very few giant like event albums that panned out or or there's stuff that you didn't think was going to be the thing and, and all of a sudden it, it is like it completely illuminating um to something that you didn't even know you needed and I think Goner's is in that category. Um, I also think it, it argues for, um, you know, you. We don't usually talk about the live performance mm. of an album when we're talking about an album because, look, the thing is on record and stuff. But I, yeah. but I think when you're talking about material like this, I think when you're talking about um, like the Israel Nash album or right before, I would even say Lucy Dacus's album. Mm. Uh, if you go back further in the year, I, I think that actually is a key to this, and I, and I think it, it is instead of going out to see an artist like this as simply entertainment, which, look, you should go see Laura. You should give her your money <laughs> so she can make Goners part two, three, four, whatever, you know, whatever she calls them, or Goners, as they said. <laughs> um, but, but um, uh, you know, but you go see it as, like, this is, this is you're sharing something that, that these human beings have decided that they want to share with you, and you're going to be receptive. And, and, I, and I don't know that we often think about our entertainment that way. Yeah, I mean, like when I'm when I'm going to a show, if it's a, a artist I've followed for a long time, you're obviously expecting to hear the stuff you know and but love. You get stoked. You get stoked for the going stuff to you see know Richard Thompson. Yeah, I saw Richard Thompson I know two weeks ago I, or three weeks ago. I would have liked to. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and it, he he joked that oh, I'm I'll play some of the old favorites that you've driven hundreds of miles to hear. Because he he's like like any veteran musician, he knows that mm-hmm. his new stuff, yeah, they'll hear it, but they're really there for the old favorites. <laughs> yeah, and he's enough of a self-deprecating kind of wise guy that he talks about that. Um, but so Gibson, because she performed the whole record, and because it was relatively new to my ears, I mean, I'd been listening to it for the last month or two on 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 headphones. But since she performed the whole record, and she really did spotlight the musicianship and the songwriting. 
in the concert, it really gave a lot more depth to stuff that already was pretty deep material right. to begin with. Right. And now it's like you've seen it in its like actual form. Right. And and little details in the songwriting uh, emerge that you might have overlooked. And so, they, you know, it adds uh, another level of of uh, depth to this material. And there's a lot going on in these songs. They're tight, they're concise, but there's a lot of subtlety in them at the same time. When you're talking about art like this, I think um, it is in many ways open to interpretation, but like Laura certainly has, she knows what this stuff's about. I mean, you just keep listening and you keep hearing new things that jump out at you each time. So it does really, you know, place a, a marker in, you know, a, kind of a person's life as well as kind of a, uh, a cultural moment that we're in. And it yeah. really does put that deep imprint into your brain like, wow, there's so much going on and <laughs> yeah. have to face our uh, our challenges face uh, head on like she's done in this record. But there'll be people out there to help you face your challenges mm. along the way. So. Yeah. So we're okay saying this is one of the best albums of 2018? Oh, it's on my list, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You with the diamond hands, the quick wit sentences, I have no plans. You're the only home I ever wanted. Now five floors above. Laura Gibson's Goners is available everywhere you can buy fine music, and I recommend you go out and do that. I've been uh, I've been slack. I haven't picked this up on vinyl yet, uh, which is odd because I've listened to it about a million hundred times. Uh, she was just in town here with her band. I think it was her first gig back in uh, in the United States after a European tour, and uh, we put a put a little review of it up on the site chunkyglasses.com. Go out and check that out. She's touring around. And I uh, didn't have time to sit down and talk with her, but I did talk with her after the show. And and want to want to get something going later on down the road. Talk about talk about this album with her because I, I love it, and it's even better live. And it's just as you heard us just talking about. Um, but uh, remarkable, remarkable artist and human, and um, making great work that'll make you feel good. Uh, before we get out of here, I said I was going to talk to you about Mary Jo Matea. That's what we're going to do now. The DC scene can be pretty dogmatic, but there are some people, uh, or no, dogmatic isn't the right word. Clickish isn't the right word either. It's like there are clear delineations of of what people do in scenes. You've got the punkers, you've got the electro poppers, you've got all these things. And look, uh, don't at me saying that doesn't exist. It does, kids. But my point is, uh, Mary Jo seems to like float around all these scenes she's in i swear to god like a million bands i can just think of like color palette loy loy two dragons and a cheetah her own solo stuff I, I mean the list goes on and on um and she has been a force uh for good in music in this town uh for quite a while in fact as long as i can remember reporting on on dc music and uh so she has a new song out called the the other side and it's got a guest on it, Cody Valentine from All the Best Kids, uh, who is uh, our friend Paul Vodra's favorite band, one of them. And uh, and it's great. So we're going to play it right now. So here you go. This is Mary Jo Matea, The Other Side, featuring Cody Valentine from All the Best Kids.
Must have missed a memo Mary Jo Matea for you right there with the other side. I, you know, I don't know if you guys remember this up here, uh, and this is going to be a weird little thing if you're DC based. So keeping it local here. Uh, there was a uh, artist by the name of Mary Prankster back in the nineties, uh, late nineties, early two thousands. And she was phenomenal. She's from Baltimore. I believe she still plays from time to time, but, uh, I, I got to know her art and music and stuff in, uh, in Richmond, Virginia, but uh, Mary Jo reminds me a lot about that, just her singing voice or the uh, the way she attacks it. It's, it's a little punk. Uh, it's like poppy. It's just uh, it's great, 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 great stuff. Hopefully we're going to, you know, like I so said, we're winding things down here in, in D.C., but uh, we are going to get Paul Vodra from Hometown Sounds down here again, and uh, hopefully uh, Mary Jo will be able to join us, maybe her friend uh, Johnny Grave. We'll see about that. We'll see what's going on. That is it for this episode of Chunky Glasses, the podcast. If you like what you heard, do us a favor, tell your friends. Then subscribe to us on iTunes. Subscribe to us three or four times. It's not like voting. You can subscribe 50 times, and it all counts. Um, although you, you, know, you, should, you should vote a lot. Um, just not for the same person. 
Uh, you can also listen to us in Stitcher, Mixcloud, Google Play, Spotify. We are out there on the internet at www.chunkyglasses.com. We are out there on the socials at, at @chunkyglasses on Twitter and Instagram and on Facebook. We're up there. Also, you may have noticed we have been sort of pounding the live scene in the past few few weeks. We brought on a bunch of bunch of good photographers, good photographers. What am I saying? Great photographers. Um, and uh, and we're sort of ramping ramping all that up. Uh, there is uh, one thing that uh, if you're new to this podcast. The, you might not know about what we do, but the whole point of this is to sort of encourage, help people thrive in doing uh, in this thing, whatever it is we're doing, whether it's making a podcast, whether it's writing about music, or in this case, going out and uh, shooting music, putting people in a pit. And uh, I've been doing this now for almost 10 years, and if I can help somebody do that, uh, then that's why we keep going, within reason. <laughs> It got a little hectic this week, but neither here nor there. My point is, is that these people are out here. Some of them are professional as fuck. Some of them are just, you know, getting their sea legs. They're all awesome. So, uh, so like their shit. Go out there and 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 find them and uh, buy them a beer if you see them in a show and and uh, you know, be good, be good. That's all I really ask. We're gonna be back in a few short days, in a week exactly. Uh, as we got like five more episodes left till 400 and uh, one of them is going to be us talking about something people probably don't want us to talk about Van Hagar uh, one of them is going to be us talking about Steely Dan because I promised Eduardo that we would talk about Steely Dan many many moons ago and then um, some really special things and then we'll, we'll sort of pack it up want out into the stratosphere and the stratosphere being Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So stay tuned. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. Talk to you soon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi!